Hello, everyone, and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date on your Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you tonight. John Harris will be along. We have Nick Martin on the show tonight. We have Whitney Merciless on the show tonight. Hey, the players are back in the building. We talked about this a bit last night, and there are many different times of year that can be marked as the start of the season, and I think a lot of this depends on who you are. I mean, for us in the building who do what we do, me and Johnny and DP and Drew and some of the people who cover the combine, it's the combine that sort of begins things for us. And I know a lot of you think, well, that's buried in the winter. I'm not even thinking about football right then. Yeah, I'm interested in the combine, but I hardly consider that the start of the season. For some others, it's free agency. That starts the league year. Technically, it does. The NFL league sort of fiscal year begins in early March when free agency starts. And I think a lot of you feel like the year begins then. Certainly the new roster buildup begins then. Uh, this is another one of those times. This week when the players come back for off-season conditioning, OTAs stands for Organized Team Activities. I get asked that all the time. Now, they're not on the field yet doing 11-on-11, 11 11, but they're on the field doing workout stuff. They can do various things. The coaches really can't coach them in a football sense on the field. They can coach them in the meeting rooms, in the classroom. So that's big for the coaches, for the players. We explained a bunch of that last night. But it was great to say hello to a lot of the players today. We did start that yesterday internally, but we're going to get you a chance to hear from some of the players today. J.J. Watt in the next segment. Deshaun Watson, of course, got up to the podium today. That entire press conference is on HoustonTexans.com and many of the Texans' social media platforms. You should be following us on Twitter at Houston Texans, uh, the Facebook page, Snapchat, all of it, or just listen in right here. As Watson was asked about taking care of his body, how that has changed. I think the general asked him this question, and he had plenty to say about it. Uh, it's very important. Uh, it's, it's the temple. It's the, it's the engine that runs everything. And if your body's not you know, to its peak, at the, especially at this level, then you won't perform at your peak level. And so uh, you want to be you know, feeling good, feeling healthy, um, you know, all the muscles, joints, uh, you know, ligaments, everything working. Uh, at its highest peak um, each, and every, each and every time you touch the field. And, uh, you know, by doing that, it's, you know, eating right, getting massages, um, you know, cold tub, uh, just the different little things that you have to do, you know, off the field to be able to, you know, perform on the field. Well, he's doing them, and it's great to see Deshaun Watson in the building and continuing his rehab work. And Bill O'Brien has said previously he will be able to do some stuff during OTAs, and we'll see what he means by some stuff soon enough. Again, the first phase of this stuff is not exactly working with the football with the entire team. And Watson will join us here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio tomorrow. Joining us right now is John Harris. And, Johnny, what a buzz in the building to have everybody back, all the guys here collectively. It really is special. Yeah, it's a good energy with guys being back in the building. I said yesterday I saw the DBs going into the lunchroom, and they were all you know guys I've seen before. I mean, I, I think about it. I always have a connection in some sense to the guys in the 2014 draft class because that was my that was my first year. Now I had known some of the guys before that, but knowing you know Andre Howell and Jadavion Clowney, those guys were I was sort of in that draft class, if you will, and so I always see those guys. And so Dre was the first guy I saw yesterday, and it was just really cool to see him and see the guys and got a chance to see them up at the podium today and talk to some of them in the radio studio. So it's been it's been good just to, okay, everybody's here, everybody's good. It's just, it just feels good. It feels yep. good. I understand what Bill O'Brien talks about you know, when he says those three months are really tough when the players go away, and then when you get them back, you just you get back to feeling normal again. 
Well, one of the guys we had a chance to talk to is setter, or is he a guard, Nick Martin. Nick, how's it going? It's going great. How about you guys? We've seen you around, but you're here with the players for the first time with the big group. So what is that like for you to get everybody together? It's great. Um, honestly, it's great to get around everyone again in the locker room, in the meeting room, um, obviously in the weight room, and just kind of be a part of the team, integrating everyone again. All right. Let's, let's get down to it. Your favorite winter Olympic sport is... And why did your quarterback say cycling? I was gonna say I was gonna say the half pipe snowboard and cycling. I think it was a tad confused, maybe uh, <laughs> summer winter, but I think we got it all straightened out. Your reaction to it was priceless. Like, wait, what did you just say? I mean, he is from the south. I mean, they don't yeah. really have winter sports down there, so for the most part. But that was that was interesting to us as we were watching it because you can sort of tell the camaraderie that you guys have sort of built. Not just Deshaun, but JJ's there. You're there. If there's been anything from having guys injured at the opportunity that guys have, have come a little bit closer, it seemed, through the rehab process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously in season and whatnot, you're a lot with your position group. Um, but the rehab process, you know, guys with J.J., Whitney's been in the Deshaun, um, all those guys, it, we get to spend more time that we don't really get to spend together, and it really has a, that cohesive group. And another thing, all those guys are so competitive, and we're competitive against each other. Um, it's really made us grow together closer. Wait, even though you have different injuries, you're competitive in rehabbing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we like, at, for instance, we were just doing sled and stuff on the field and just mm-hmm. kind of, it's just that competitive nature you have as an athlete. Yeah. That works well. All right. What about your old line and the new additions here? What do you think? It's awesome. Those guys, um, obviously, I haven't spent a ton of time with them, mm-hmm. but just in the few short days I have, you can just tell they're, um, the way they're just focused and intent and studying, um, you know, obviously seeing a little film too, and they're nasty, and it's, it's going to be awesome. I know that you're going to get to ask this question because we get asked this question. You played center this year. I know Zach played center in Kansas City. So center or guard, does it matter to you which one you play? I know you've played that throughout your college career. You played center and guard. Does it matter to you which one you play? Do you want to play one over the other? You know, honestly, I just want to do whatever I can for the team personally. Um, you know, we take it one for the day at a time. Right now I'm rehabbing, but whatever I need to do for the team, I'll do. Well, what about the differences, though, Nick? Because, you know, clearly as the center, you're the quarterback of the offensive line. And how how do you keep up with whatever changes or adjustments the offense might undergo throughout the offseason? Uh, you know, obviously you, you, have to have, you have five guys doing one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the toughest things. You have half the offense on the field. You've got to be on one page. Um, but whether you move right or left, obviously last year we played a lot. You know, I played next to Jeff and Mance and – whether you have almost two centers on the field playing guard and center, that just makes the communication that much better, really. Nick, we didn't really talk to you about this, uh, I think, throughout the year, but that was your first year playing the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we forget sometimes that the your rookie year, unfortunately, you, you missed because of being injured. What was it like being out there your first year in the NFL? What was it like going out there for that first game uh, against Jacksonville? Obviously, it didn't go, go well, but being out there for the NFL, what was that like in your first year? I mean, honestly, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, unfortunately, the first year I was injured, and you spent all that time getting back. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like a little kid, you know, getting up in <laughs> Greenbrier, being able to hit people and, yeah. you know, just having fun. Um, obviously, it didn't go our way. But, again, when you're out there grinding with everyone and get back on the field, just getting back to the fundamentals of football, it's honestly fun. What about this offense? Bill O'Brien said, yeah, we're going to change the whole offense. Well, we'll see what gets changed eventually. But what can you learn right now as far as a group goes in the classroom and everything? Because you guys can't be running around mm-hmm. with a football outside. Yeah, and it goes back to more of a mental game. Um, you know, obviously we have new guys in the room, and it goes back. So we start with the basics, the fundamentals, uh, build that cohesion there, and then really each day choose a few things. You install a few things, and you get better just a little bit each day. 
Do you sense last year at some point, Nick, when Deshaun took over in that Cincinnati game, and then from that point on, I mean, you guys were scoring 30-plus a game. Did you feel like you guys at that point were an offense? I mean, you went to Seattle, and we're doing that against Seattle. Did you feel like, man, we could do this against anybody. We keep everybody healthy, and of course, everybody didn't stay healthy. But did you feel like at that point, man, nobody could stop us? Yeah, you definitely get in that rhythm, and that ball starts rolling. And, you know, Deshaun, his poise and what he's done in big games and what he do, you know, that gives everyone that confidence and obviously seeing the big plays he makes. And you do, you get in a rhythm. What's it like to play for Coach Devlin? It's awesome. Um, you know, fortunately, he's one of those guys who he's been there. You know, he played in the league seven years. Um, fortunate for me, he played center, so he can relate to me. And he, it's almost like sometimes he's in your head mm-hmm. as a center because he, he, he's been through it, so he knows exactly what I'm thinking. Um, so that communication and that trust that is there. So it's easy whether it's right or wrong. If I have a question, he's approachable. You can talk to him, and he knows the game of football, so you can figure it out. All right, there's a game on the schedule this year. I'm sure all of us are really interested in this town, but I would imagine the Martin family is – you fill in the blank. The Martin family is blank for the Cowboys v. Texans this year. I said they're going to root for the Texans. You know, it's down here in Houston. I'll be hosting this year. Yeah. Uh, probably have a lot of family in town there, but it, it's good. Um, obviously, we played together in college, which was yeah. awesome. Uh, part of me wish I played D-line or he did so we could get up against each other, but you know that's not the case. But just to be able to play you know, against your brother in the league is, is something pretty special. Yeah, there aren't too many people that are doing that. I mean, obviously, J.J.'s right. done it yeah. with T.J., and and D, uh, D.Q. will have his brother, Scott Quesenberry, yeah. in the league this year, I would imagine. But that's going to be pretty cool to look across and go, yeah, that's my bro. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, last year we were supposed to play in preseason. You know, he was talking about coming, you know, go to the field early. We'll, we can catch up and whatnot, which is obviously just a special thing. Yep. Is the family making those split jerseys, half Texans, <laughs> half Cowboys? That's that's going to be weird if they do. That's going to yeah, be very weird. I, I don't think we'll probably get that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure they'll probably split a little bit both. All right, Nick, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nick Martin, setter or guard? Johnny, what do you think? Setter or guard? What happens? Yes. Yes. Yes, either. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I He's – because both he and Fulton have played both, I think it's a really good opportunity for the coaching staff to, I don't want to say experiment with both. I think one thing to consider with all this is how much Deshaun is going to be able to do because Nick has experience with Deshaun. He's been under center with Nick. They kind of they kind of know each other a little bit. I don't know if you want a second-year quarterback going through that with a new center, but such is life. I mean, if that's the way it's got to be, that's the way it's got to be. And maybe it comes out, maybe it turns out that Nick is going to be a little bit better at guard than he was at center and Fulton's a better center than he was at guard or vice versa. Who knows? But you at least have some time to play around that because both of them have played both positions. I think ultimately it'll come down to Nick's at center and Zach's at guard because Zach was a natural guard in college. He had to learn how to play center. I think Nick is a natural center who could and did learn to play guard. So, to me, Nick is more natural at center. Zach's more natural at guard. But then again, you've got the OTAs and training camp to sort of play around with it and experiment with it is maybe a better way of saying it and then figure it out from there. And who ultimately is going to be more comfortable being there in the middle? To me, it would, it would make it seems to make sense that it would be Nick and then Zach at guard. But, you know, things can change. And obviously, we've seen that throughout you know the years we've been here. We've seen that change. We thought, oh, it's going to be one way. It's going to be the other. But I, I know this. Two of the positions will be manned on the interior by Zach Fulton and Nick Martin. Right. I think it's a safe thing to say, and it's funny because we were doing our depth chart show either last week or the week yeah. before. I'm not going to do one of these right now, but Senio Calamante, mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a good chance to start. Yep. 
But we'll see how that plays out. Julian Davenport at one tackle spot. Chantrell Henderson the other. I mean, I think that's what it's going to be right now. Yep. Barring some drafted rookie that just really rises up quickly. Yeah. And it's unlikely that a third rounder does that, but it's possible. Yeah, there's no question it could happen. I when I think about third-rounders and rookies, which is strange, I don't know why I think of this name, I think offensive line, Gabe Jackson for the Oakland Raiders was a tremendous pick in the third round. Now he played guard, but he got drafted, and he started from day one in Oakland mm-hmm. as as a third-rounder. And a guy that I thought could have gone in the second ends up going in the third. But, man, what a heck of a player. Uh, he ends up going to Oakland and started from day one. So, look, you can find some players. I think the guard-center class is a little bit better than the offensive tackle class in this draft. But if you get a guy that's played a lot of football, that's accomplished, you know, maybe a guy like Braden Smith from Auburn who played guard, probably he's going to play guard in the league, but he could play tackle. He's got the dimensions. Maybe he falls to you at the top of the third round. Very athletic, very strong. I think a guy that could come in here and he could push for playing time right away. And a lot of that comes down to timing too mm-hmm. and in situation. Guys get hurt during training camp, and you just happen to be there every single day. And before you know it, you're trustworthy. They, they rely on you. Guys in front of you are hurt. You get an opportunity, and you don't give it back. And then you're that guy for the next eight to ten years. Maybe that happens. I just don't think that it will when you're drafting in the third round. But you know, like I said, a guy like Gabe Jackson did it with Oakland. There have been others before. So maybe that does happen, but I'm with you. I think the line you just spoke of, I think a rookie does come in and push. But I don't know that he starts day one, but I do think a rookie's going to come in and really push for playing time uh, in the first half of the season. Okay, next up on the show, Whitney Merciless is going to join us. Also, right out of the shoot, J.J. Watt. What he has to say about the Honey Badger, about his own recovery, rehab. Let's get to it next on Texans Radio. Let's focus on the front seven in this segment of Texans Radio right now. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you before we get back to Johnny here. Pass rushers extraordinaire that were missing from the lineup after the first series of the Kansas City game. I can't believe I can say that sentence, but it's true. They were both lost on the first defensive series of the Chiefs game Sunday night last year. Way too early in the season, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. Let's start with J.J. here at the podium today as the players got back this week for off-season conditioning. Watt reflected on his rehab. When I had to miss my first games ever uh, two years ago with the back injury, I was very frustrated, upset. And, you know, there's, there's points of um, you're pissed off. You know, you know, you go through the why me, you go through all that. You go through the anger and you want to get back as quickly and as healthily as you can so you can play again. And um, I think what I learned from that was to control what you can control. I broke my leg. What, what can you do? You know, it snapped. So you, you control what you can control. Every single day I wake up, uh, I do the rehab I'm allowed to do. I do the workouts I'm allowed to do, and I do them the best that I can. And I try and get as, as much better as I can each day and stack those days on top of each other. And I have bad days. Everybody's got bad days, but I try and limit my bad days and capitalize on my good days. And I think it's the biggest thing I learned was it's just it's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. And every little step that I can take forward and in the right direction and minimize the steps backwards, the better off I'm going to be. And not getting so frustrated that it's not going faster or it's not going, I can't do what I want to do yet. You know, it's that's what I learned from the first injury is that just take it one day at a time. I need to be ready for the first game. I don't need to be I don't need to be pissed off that today I may not be able to do what I'm going to be able to do in September. Here's more from J.J. on what motivates him, on what continues to drive him forward in this game of professional football. 
I love the game. I love the competition. I love waking up every day with a chance to go to work and better myself and help my team. Uh, I love being out there with the guys. I love being in the weight room with the guys, the locker room, uh, working towards one common goal with a group of guys and being able to wake up every day knowing that I'm working towards something. And I'm working towards bringing wins to this field. I'm working towards making this group as, as good as I can make it and making myself as good as I can make myself to help this team win games. And so I love it. And, and whenever the passion goes away and whenever the love goes away, then it'll be done. But, I mean, I broke my back, I broke my leg, and I still got the passion. So I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon. All right, here's a little bit more from J.J. now on the recruitment of a certain free agent named Tyron Matthew. Now, you saw the stuff on social media. Of course, there was some back-channel stuff as well. But getting the Honey Badger big for this team and what was a big part of it, he talked about recruiting Tyron Matthew. I did what I could there. I tried to help. I mean, when you see a guy like that hit the free agent market, somebody who is a great player, who's uh, great in the locker room, who's great to get around your young guys and, and help get those motivational tools and get some get some of those good teaching tactics in their ear, um, you want him on your team. I mean, he's a guy that I've known for a few years now, uh, and I've loved the conversations that we've had over the years. I've loved getting to know him and, and feeling his confidence and feeling that positivity and that motivation that he has inside of him and so you want a guy like that on your team and so when I saw him hit the market I just went to work just a wonderful sight to see Watt at the podium looking forward to playing NFL football again in 2018 and a great sight is Whitney Merciless here in studio you are back yes sir not that you went anywhere because you know, I've seen you around <laughs> yeah, I mean it's great here. to have all the guys back in the building uh, oh yeah no doubt of course man we got a uh, great Great energy that's flowing through the mm-hmm. locker room. Everybody's excited about this year, uh, especially with uh, all the talent that's come in um, through, like, just the recruitment process through all the, uh, you know, the free agency and all that and guys returning off of injury and things like that and exactly where we potentially can be uh, right now is just putting in the work. How what? frustrating was it to see what happened to this team Oh, uh, you were trying to rehab and get better, kill your injury? Yeah, because I, I just wanted to be out there on the field. Because I wanted to be out there, you know, experiencing exactly what the guys are going through, and uh, yeah. you know, especially putting my own talents out there to it, to give the team at least a chance to win uh, more of these games, and right. uh, that's it. That, that's what was like very frustrating about it. But you know, my process, uh, I had to take it as it came, and uh, you know, try to get back for the next season and uh, just be ready. But it was devastating to see just continued injuries through game through game last year. Right. Yeah. No. How's the off season been for you? What you been up to? Traveling a little bit? Have you done any traveling? I know, obviously, the restaurant's still yeah. still going fast and furious for you. But what's the off season been like for you? Yeah, so uh, I got cleared. Um, man, that was like probably three, four weeks ago, about a month. Um, so that was a pretty awesome. So I got to go travel. So I went to go like I went to France, Italy. I went to China. Oh. oh my god. Yeah. Goodness. I went to Stafford, Sugarland, Canada. <laughs> so I went like far east coast, far west coast. So mm-hmm. uh it's pretty cool. Um just to get like, you know, experience like different cultures, see different things in the world. Um, you know, and it just really expand my knowledge on uh, you know, a different take on like, you know, my own life perspective and stuff like that. All right, we want to get your perspective on this because the draft is coming up. Yes, sir. And what are your memories of the build up? the draft as you were selected in the first round of 2000. That's a long time ago now, man. <laughs> man, seven years. Seven years. Oh. Crazy. Uh, time flies by. Um, my memories about my draft time, um, honestly, uh, 
I remember putting in my grade for the committee um, and getting a third round grade back. So then I was like, you know what? I definitely can improve my draft stock, and I sure did at the combine. Uh, I thought I was going to go a little bit earlier. That's what is being said by my agent. But, you know, everybody thinks. Well, a lot of the mock drafts had you going a lot higher. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. So I just kept on dropping and dropping. Um, So I didn't know what was going to happen. So I was just happy not to be in Radio City. Right. (laughs) (laughs) With the camera on me. So I I was glad I was back at home with, like, Mm -hmm. all my family, friends, my coaches and stuff like that. Um, And uh, sure enough, get picked up by the Texans. And I knew I wanted to go somewhere and play, uh, like, in warm weather. And right. uh, so definitely I didn't realize how, how warm it was going <laughs> yeah. to get. Um, Be careful what you wish for. Exactly, exactly. So it was cool. And then I remember that when I got drafted, and then uh, uh, I remember my sister, like, jumping on top of the, uh, the couch, and then, like, kind of her skirt kind of came up because, like, NFL Network was, like, streaming. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, yeah, that was wild. But uh, yeah, it was cool, man. It was, like, surreal because I didn't think that I was going to actually, you know, be playing in the NFL or, mm-hmm. you know, get a chance to go to the NFL. I was just more directed on my uh, studies in school. I went back and I looked at what I had to write about you in 2012. That's been one of the fun things is seeing the guys that end up here and, like, what I had to say about them. Yeah. I knocked it out of the park. Oh, man. You tell you, me. What, what okay. You say? Yeah. All right. So here we go. First of all, I had the projection perfect. <laughs> Late first round. Yep. Okay. Okay. Outstanding quickness off the snap. Yep. Raw in terms of pass rush technique. Feeling, feel relying most on athleticism. Yes. Pretty good arm length, but needs to learn to get extension and keep lining off of him. Yeah. Can close like a shot on quarterbacks and running backs in space. <laughs> Spot on. Awareness is very marginal. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, it's okay. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't show instincts <laughs> he needs at next level. Yeah. That changed. Gets blocked and stays blocked against the run. On edge rush, squares his shoulders, quarterback, and is not easily redirected. Shows good effort, plays into whistle. Yes. Now, here's my overall. Right now, he's a second-round talent. However, his full potential is definitely higher. When he learns to use his hands effectively, he'll be much better. His thin lower body will probably never be great against the run. If given the opportunity to operate in space as a 3 4 outside linebacker, wide nine, he could become a force as a pass rusher. Of course. Oh, man. How close did I get? Uh, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, can definitely play the run now. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. the one thing I would say. Yeah. In fact, I did a film room on that yeah. the other day. We watched you when you line up over the center. That's one of the things we talked about. You line up over the center, and we saw it against New England. You would throw that spin move, and, man, it was on. Yeah. But then against Tennessee, they had a third down run. You kind of caught in between, and you played the center perfectly. Yeah. And the one thing that stood out to me was your hands and how much and how well You've gotten, and that's one of the things I said. If you learn to use your hands, yep. how important has that become to your overall game? Huge, um, because I make more plays that way. I get guys, uh, you know, not engaged in my body, not to hold me or anything like that. So now I can make, I mean, I at least fifty percent more plays by just playing with technique and controlling the man, and playing with perfect leverage as well too. And yep. uh, that's something that's. Uh, what I've improved my game, especially, you know, when Mike Vrabel was here to, you know, really because he played the game. So he taught us the way how to play outside linebacker, especially in different areas uh, like over the center or over the guard, things like that. And just applying that all over the field. And so once that happened, I mean, my production has definitely increased significantly. Oh, uh, you forgot to put in your scouting report, John. Foodie potential. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't I know, dive yeah, too exactly. much into that. Yeah, yeah. you so know, how's just that going? going? I, yeah, how's that going with the restaurant and everything? Yeah, pretty awesome, man. Uh, honestly, we're still in like phase two, which is uh, a, a romance language, which is Italian, mm-hmm. French, and Spanish, and right. uh, that's man, that, that's great. Um, everybody loves it. Um, so we've gotten great reviews. We have great service and all that. And so, uh, man, it's been uh, it's been killing it. Just uh blown it out the park and then we're just waiting to uh go into our next phase which is mediterranean Ooh, yeah so that'll be uh september 1st and that'll run until again 
July 31st. So this year we'll run until July 31st, mm-hmm. close down for the month of August, revamp everything like the decor, uh, you know, the color scheme. Do you have to uniforms. shut it down for a month. Yeah. I mean, it's a slow month for I guess uh, that's restaurants. Month. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's a slow month for a, a lot of restaurants during that time. Have you heard from other restaurateurs from throughout the country or even throughout the world that looked at your concept and go, we want to try that? Uh, man, honestly, man. It's pretty cool to actually see, like, I talk, like, whenever I go to, like, different restaurants and stuff like that, uh, man, it's funny because, like, the food critics, um, which I've met a few James Beard uh, committee yeah, members yeah. and stuff like that, you know, they they always have, like, on, on the radar and they read about it and it's very yeah. interesting concept, especially when, you know, you have Chris Shepard, who's already, yeah. you know, really entrenched into the food community. Right. And so cool just to, you know, they always ask me, why do you want to get into the food business and all that? And I'm just like, I just love food. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So I yeah. thought it was cool just to, you know, be partnered up with Chris, who's just great at it. What was China like? And that, culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> one spot I went to was uh, Zhengshou, China. And uh, that is pretty difficult uh, as far as the language barrier. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty difficult in order to, like, communicate. But I did have an app to, like, translate for it, like, uh, in Chinese. Right. Yeah, so you can talk into it. And it'll oh, it'll play it back. Yeah, exactly. It'll play wow. it back. And then they can, yeah, and then they can talk Chinese, and then it'll play back as mm-hmm. far as, uh, um, you know, in English and stuff like that. So it's pretty difficult, but then you go – then I went to uh, Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong is, like, really a beautiful, beautiful city. Very international. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it's, like, it's so different. Um, you know, everybody – I mean, there's so much money out there. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful city as far as, like, having – like the harbor run through the middle of the city as well mm-hmm. and then these buildings like they have like this light show so i went on like a night cruise uh-huh. and the cruise will like sit in the middle of the harbor and then you'll look at the buildings and the buildings will just they'll, like play with some type of music they're playing on the boat and it's like spot on it's like really really cool and then a lot of people like they party every single <laughs> night out there too i'm just like how do y'all do this man? Yeah. i was ready to get out <laughs> but uh man it's uh yeah it really gives you a different perspective as far as what's going on in the world so um i would say when i was like flying through like beijing or zhengxiao you could really see the pollution um because mm-hmm. i mean they're very industrious as far as like having a lot of factories out there so it makes sense right and uh even on a clear day it's like there's like a huge fog over the city and uh, yeah, that's why you see a lot of uh, like uh, a lot of them like wear the mask right. or their face just to not to inhale all that pollution. There's been talk, of course, it can be just internet talk, whatever the case might be, but talk of playing a game, a, f- a football game, over in China. Yeah, what really? Do you think? Would you ever be excited? Would you be excited to do that, or would that that one thing alone <laughs> with the fog, <laughs> the smog, whatever it is? Yeah. I would um, imagine that maybe would be the dome. That would be tough. Yeah, dome definitely for sure. Um, you know what's tough is the uh, the flight over there. Uh, yeah, it's it's like, so every flight connects through Beijing. It just depends where you got to go, like where yeah. they want to set yeah. the stadium up and stuff like that. So it could be in Beijing, which would be easy. But it's already a fourteen hour flight straight from Houston all the way over on over to uh, uh, Beijing. And uh, pretty a lot much. of movies. Yes, a lot. I watched a lot, man. <laughs> um, so it, you know that. Already you've got, like, jet lag, and it's a 17-hour difference on time. Right. Yeah, so, like, pretty much you've got to get adjusted to that. So I don't know if you want to spend a week, um, you know, trying to get adjusted and try to play a game. So um, I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, If they try to test it, um, hopefully it's not in my career. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll still be down, though. I'll still be down. (laughs) Whitney, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it.
Whitney Merciless here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. And a broadcast note, Whitney will be back with us for some of our Fuddruckers Texans players shows this fall. Stafford location is his haunt for that particular program Tuesday nights during the regular season. More information on that later. And broadcast notes in the next segment, including but not limited to, could the draft be televised by even more networks? Not this year, but in the future. You know, Fox is joining the party this year. Our draft broadcast, who's going to be on night number one? A guy we have never had as part of our draft broadcast, but we should have. It's long overdue, and we'll tell you who that is. Also, who's going to do Texans preseason television games, the second highest rated sports TV series in Houston behind Texans regular season games? Preseason TV crew, I'll have that for you next, among other things, with John Harris here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. It's Texans All Access. All right, going around the league a little bit as we continue on Texans All Access, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny, a few things in the last segment here, and some related to broadcasting, a couple of interesting news and notes items. First of all, how about the Brett Favre failure of his audition for Monday Night Football on ESPN? that I would have ever seen Brett Favre as a fit on Monday Night Football for mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I just when I saw that he failed the audition, I went, yeah, I sort of expected that. I don't know. Really? I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. I just in an interview format, he's not that great. But you know what? I've seen him in the mic'd up stuff. He's right. phenomenal. Yeah, he's on the funny. field. And and that that see that's the one other thing about auditioning too. I would imagine there are some guys when the lights go on, and you know this when the lights go on. You're a lot different than you are in practice because mm-hmm. you know it's practice and right. going to the Allen Iverson thing. You know it's practice. You know it's not the real deal. And I I can sense that too. When you get into a real situation, man, you, just for some reason the lights go on. I think Brett would have done a pretty solid job. Yep. But for some reason I just didn't I didn't think it was going to be a great fit. For whatever reason. I don't know. That's just that's just me. But you're right. His mic'd up stuff is very, very good. I can tell you this. If you put me in a room and had me do play-by-play off a monitor, oh. it would not be the same as doing a game no. live. It's just not. No. There's something about being there and feeling the wind on your face yeah. through the booth window or whatever. Although Andre doesn't like to open the windows if he could help it if it's at all below 50 degrees. <laughs> Sorry, Trey. I called you out there. And by the way, we might as well announce this right now. A couple of announcements. How about this for Yeah, announcements. Here we go. Opening night of the draft, Texans don't have a pick, but we always do a show. Right. We're not doing a show from the draft not, uh, draft party on opening right. night because there's no draft party opening night. Draft That'll be on Friday night. night. Yeah. But, so we'll be on for the entire draft on Sports Radio 610 on TexansRadio.com. Andre Ware is going to join us for opening night. This is going to be great. First round yep. draft coverage. You, me, Dre, we'll have it all for you. And, you know, he watches and does a ton yeah. of college football broadcasting. You watch everything. So, and I'll just sort of play along. So this is going to be a good night. Well, there are going to be a ton of SEC guys that he has – he's been in productions me, production meetings with that mm-hmm. he has covered over the last few years. He's going to have a really good insight uh, into those guys. And then guys like Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, two Heisman winners that obviously he's in that fraternity – it's going to be really interesting to get his thoughts. I was reading an article about Lamar Jackson. I, th- I want to say it was on MMQB. I think Jonathan Jones did it. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how Lamar had been pretty difficult for people to reach throughout this process because his mom was running things. And one of the, one oh, of the yeah. two people that got interviews, one was uh, – I can't remember who one was, but the other one was Andre. 
Yep. Andre was one of the few people to talk to Lamar fraternity. in that process. So, exactly. And it, you're in that fraternity. One guy every year is added to that mix. And Dre's part of that. And Lamar Baker, he's going to be able to speak to them. And, of course, this being a big quarterback draft, he's going to have a huge uh, role in that. So, I, I was thrilled when I walked in today and you said, hey, Dre's joining us for Thursday night. I went, yes, this is awesome. And another one, and we'll talk about this more later, but preseason television, play-by-play, Kevin Kugler is back. That's yes. official now. And Spencer Tillman is back as color commentator and Drew Doherty back on the sideline. So, that crew is intact and our whole behind-the-scenes production crew, as those telecasts are phenomenal that go on ABC 13, yep. as we'll do all four preseason games this year. We gave you the schedule last week. Schedule this week, I keep getting questions. I'm thinking Thursday now. I think if it was going to be tomorrow, I would have heard by now. Yeah, I would think so. I kept saying Wednesday. That, that's the day I held on to because that was the day the preseason schedule was unveiled. And so I was holding out hope that it would be Wednesday just I was actually holding out hope it would be today. That's a pretty cool day. I, I got to admit. It's great. I remember in, in 2014, you and I, you and I had, had talked about coming aboard, and so I was not on board quite yet when that schedule was released. Oh, yeah. And I remember being at home watching it. And then the next year, I was in the building when, when it was about to be announced, and so it was like this buzz throughout the building of, mm-hmm. oh, where are our games? Where are our games? Okay, who are we playing at home? What are going to be our special theme games? Right. Where, where are our primetime games? It, I mean, it's it's a really cool time to be in the building to know what the schedule is and get excited about it and all that kind of stuff. So it's I'm looking forward to whether it's uh, tomorrow or whether it's Thursday, but I'm with you now. I think it's Thursday. One other note on the draft broadcast stuff. We indicated that we'd be doing the entire draft here on the radio. We will. Now, there's a report from the Sporting News about the draft being broadcast on multiple networks. Yes, this year you're going to see NFL Network, ESPN, and Fox. Fox. Yep. But there's no real exclusivity in the contracts with NFL Network. Well, that's the league anyway. But with ESPN, that's why Fox can do it. Mm-hmm. And the thought is that maybe everybody who wants to gets to do it, kind of like election night. It's election night oh. in the NFL. Why not open it up wide and let everybody do it now? The league knows already that NFL Network, although it's great coverage, yeah, a lot of people live on ESPN, and they're not going to switch the channel for whatever reason. Ask the people at FS1 that. That happens a lot to them. Uh, They have this ESPN challenge. But uh, it's going to be interesting if that ever happens that way. You cover it like election night. Because the draft, it's almost like it's public domain, Johnny. I mean, I remember my first ever full-time radio job was – for a small radio station in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. And we actually did a draft show, and we played music. In between songs, we'd give you the last couple of picks or whatever. Actually, that was in the day of 15 minutes between picks. Yeah. So I guess like every three songs, we'd give you right. a pick. But you get my drift here. A lot of people do draft shows. What's interesting, you said two things. Mm-hmm. Number one, you said night, election night. That uh-huh. stands out to me because did you ever – I remember when it was announced that the the draft was going to three days and that it was going to be put on Thursday night. Smart. Because it was a Saturday-Sunday deal for for a long time. Afternoon. Right. Saturday would start in the morning, and you got first, second, third round in on Saturday. It would take forever. And it it went off forever. I I remember one time, the first round would just never end. We stayed on the air until the first round ended. It was five hours and 45 minutes once. I'm not making that up. And I was probably one of the few that was like, okay, this thing can go on forever. I didn't care. It didn't bother me. And then Sunday was four through seven. 15 minutes between picks was ridiculous. I remember when they moved it. 
to the to nighttime, and I believe that was 2010. That was 2010. That was the first year okay. when Kareem got drafted. Yep. That was the first year they went tonight. And I remember thinking Thursday night, eh, this ain't gonna work. This isn't gonna work. Oh yeah. And now we're talking about part two. Mm-hmm. Everybody getting involved. Yep. Because you do. You want something on draft night as big as you would have on election night. Now, obviously, election night's a whole different animal. Right. I get that. But you want it to be a prime time. We're going to put – I mean, because you're talking networks now, right? You're talking, what, CBS, NBC, Fox is already involved, Mm -hmm. uh, and ESPN. But you're talking about major networks saying, yeah, we're going to put the draft on here. We we don't have to do as much as the others, but we're going to be there on draft night. You don't – the thing about – the thing about it is you can find people that can talk about the top 50 prospects yep. and talk about them pretty well. You can, you can find guys that can do that. Once you start getting into Saturday, when you're getting down to the prospect 250, it's a little three, more difficult. It's a little tougher. Uh-oh, they're going to come running for you. Well, this is not good for me. But if they're doing it for prime time, if they're doing it for one night, yeah. that's all you yeah, got to know. they probably wouldn't do the Saturday thing. Yeah, I they mean, would, you're not going to get every imagine. network doing rounds four through seven. But if you're doing a prime time, mm-hmm. a prime time show – Heck yeah, you can get all your you can get all your stars involved in some way, shape, or form. I mean, heck, if if say NBC's doing it and Collinsworth is there, think about all the PFF information they're going to be able to use because that's Collinsworth's company. I want interesting. I wonder if they would ever toy around with another way to select undrafted free agents, make that a mm. spectacle of sorts. Because right now they draft, and Bill O'Brien's talked about this. You're drafting for seven rounds, so you're drafting mm-hmm. for three days. All of a sudden. You're back to recruiting. Right. You're back to recruiting undrafted free agents to come visit. They had to recruit Steven Anderson to come here. Yep. They had to re- recruit Dylan Cole to come here. Hey, this is a good fit for you. We'll pay you X. Now, the money doesn't vary that much. It's not like you're going to fork over a yeah. million dollars for an undrafted free agent, but you can get a little bit of a sweeter deal one place than another. Yep. And there are other elements maybe playing into it as well. It Well, the interesting aspect to me is would they ever go back to be – and I'm trying to remember the year it flipped over, but they, way back in the day, they used to have like 30 rounds, and they cut down to 17, and to 12, and then Wait, 10. Wait, what's Bart Starr again? 17th rounder? 17th yeah. rounder. Amazing. Bart Starr. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went to another three rounds. Why not? Throw another three rounds in there. Really? Two minutes in between rounds. Those are like your undrafted guys, but they get drafted. Go a minute. I, why not? Almost like put in bids. Just boom. <laughs> You're like... All right, I'll put in. Now that a, would be interesting. I'll put in an eighth rounder. You're, auction, you're auctioning off the bid. All of a sudden, Dylan Cole walks up, and you're like, "How does the supplemental draft work?" That's exactly that's, how it works. That's true. I'll take this guy with a second rounder, but if somebody grabs a, it's almost like the waiver wire. Wow, it's like a, it's a waiver wire. Interesting thought. But you're right. I think the undrafted process is one that is. I don't say it's. It's just a mystery to a lot of people because we, we don't see it. The draft, we all we see. We yeah. now can see all they're of They're making those phone calls already in the sixth and seventh oh, yeah. round because they're saying, hey, if you don't get drafted, right. will you sign with us? Right. Are you interested in us? Here's what we'll be able to do. Mm-hmm. And then those guys end up sometimes getting drafted. And, so that's off the table. Yeah, so it's off the table. And sometimes I feel bad for those guys because they end up getting a call going, 713 area code, or are we 281? Yeah. You get that area code and you think, the Texans are going to draft me. And then you realize, wait a second, Texans don't have any picks. Why are they calling? Hello? Uh, would you think about signing with us? And it's a great thing that they're coming after you. Yeah. But I'm, a lot of guys know they're going to end up somewhere. They're right. going to get at least a tryout. And that's all, at that point, that's all they're looking for. But the thing about being a drafted guy is you pick. Yeah. You decide. When you're going to draft in the sixth and seventh round, the teams are deciding. Yeah. You're that undrafted guy. You decide where you want to go. Do you go. want to be Mr. Irrelevant or not? 
I mean, I'd want, I would want to be drafted. The whole Mr. Irrelevant thing wouldn't bother me. It would. I would know I got drafted. I wouldn't have to make that decision of where I was going to go. I wouldn't feel bad about Mr. Irrelevant. Right. I got drafted. You got drafted. I got drafted in the seventh round. And you do get some attention. You yeah, don't you get do. money, but you get some attention. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even want to do the Mr. Irrelevant thing. I really no. wouldn't. I would just want to just okay. I got drafted. Great. I hold yeah. up the jersey. Whatever. But I'm 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 seventh rounder. I'm moving on. Lonnie Ballantyne was Mr. Irrelevant, mm-hmm. and he got a an article and some magazine, and you know, you get a trip to Disneyland or Disney World. Do you Disney really? World. Yeah. Well, that's worth it. Yeah, you get I a guess. You get a lot of things. That can get kind of pricey. All right, Johnny. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you got a mark. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Well, thank you very much for listening. Nick Martin on the program. Whitney Merciless on the program. And tomorrow night, Deshaun Watson. You've heard of him. He'll be on this very radio program. Galat at Night is next. Go Texans.